You guys ready? We're going to cover a lot of stuff about relationships, you know, and I, and I should know because I actually married a great woman. I don't know how I did that, but I should be, uh, you should like look at me and think, well, he did something right. When you meet my wife, you'll know. Um, but I, I, am, I am a student of human relationships. And I'm so glad to talk tonight about what it is to, to be in those relationships. So, so do you remember your first love? I mean, maybe it was a crush, you know, you call it a crush, but it was, it was your first love, that, that love that wrecked you. What was it, third grade? Second, mine was Beth Ann Belinka in the first grade. She was a goddess. She would skip over to the pencil sharpener and, and I was there and I get really nervous. I mean, I knew in first grade how to hit girls and tease them. I didn't know what to do about, about love or feelings for them. I would get really nervous and it's just terrifying for a first grader. And, and, and I'll never forget my friend John Apple. He, these are real names. I'm from the East Coast. <laughs> John Apple. I heard this from, from friends, right? John Apple actually did something that no one had ever dared to do. John Apple kissed Beth Ann Belinka on the cheek at the playground. Right? I mean, it was such a shock even to her. She swatted him with her purse. He falls to the ground and gets in all kinds of trouble. But all the boys were like, what? John Apple. What was it like? The softness of her cheek. I would trade Twinkies for a week for that kind of feeling. If I, if I had it, I mean, that kind of boy and girl relationship, I didn't understand. It was like John Apple rode a unicorn. He crossed the divide. He went through enchanted forests and, and experienced something that all of us just longed to experience but didn't have the guts to admit. I, I was stuck in this, this quest for love. And I don't think I knew what to do back then with this desire for love, this, this quest for true love. That's what I want to talk to you about Tonight, true love. It sounds almost cheesy, right? True love, you know. It's, but true love, I think that we, we, all, we all long not just to find true love, but to actually love another. I think the hunt for the human soul is not just to be loved deeply, but to, to capture another's heart for a lifetime. Somehow we know that if we can be in a relationship that's sustainable in an age where 40 to 50% of marriages end in divorce. It's the reality that we live in. It's a toss of 50-50. I mean, that's kind of terrifying. This is a time when we really want to understand what it is to actually have true love, love that lasts. How do you find true love? I think... One of the factors is you may not find it at all. You may build it. You build true love. It's surprising, so it seems like you just find it, like a pair of shoes, right? Just oh, one day you're, you're not in love, and all of a sudden, oh, you're in love. But to sustain it, not the feeling of love, but to sustain love over a lifetime, that's, 
That's magical. It's, it's amazing. I think that the scripture gives us some insight into this. In Proverbs chapter 30, verses 18 and 19, we're going to look at this, this poem that Pastor Joe set up last week. I was so glad that he didn't unwrap it, but he set it up so I can kind of like spend some time unwrapping this, this idea together. The writer of Proverbs looks at it this way, is marveling. He says in verse 18, there are three things that amaze me. No, four things that I, I don't understand. How an eagle glides through the sky, how a snake slithers on a rock, how a ship navigates the ocean, and how a man loves a woman. He's looking at this and he's thinking, this is, this is amazing. I, I don't know how, how that's happening. He looks up at the eagle and he watches it glide and he, he's in awe and wonder, how does he glide in the sky? He looks at a snake and moves on the ground. He says, how does that happen? He looks at the ship navigating the seas. How is this possible? And, and finally, a man with a woman. It's too amazing for him. I think this... I think that there's some insight. I, I know it's just, it's a poem, right? It's just a, it's a piece of poetry. It sounds so beautiful, but could there be secrets inside of this passage that gives us insight to establishing and building true love? Wow. Let's just take a moment and explore imagination that maybe there's something that we can learn from this writer. The first thing is, is How? How an eagle glides, right? So an eagle flaps his wings, right? He starts flapping his wings and he, he catches wind. And then what he does with the wind, he says he flaps, he angles his feathers and even folds his feathers to catch wind and create lift in the air. And he glides. It's not that he glides part of the time and flaps half of the time. It's, it's that he glides most of the time. Scientists say that as they observed eagles that they observe him flapping two minutes out of every hour of his life. He spends most of the time hanging <laughs> in the air. He's just kind of like navigating all of the wind. And he's moving from current to current and it lifts him in different angles. He's like surfing the wind. It's an amazing thing to watch if you've seen an eagle. And in our relationships, what does that have to do with our relationships? You ever feel like you're just flapping? <laughs> like you're just flapping all the time. You're like, why don't you text me back? Why don't you just know it? I know, but why are you texting me back? Why not? Why are you late? Why are you late? I don't know why you're late. I don't know. It's just I'm constant flapping, right? You're working at it. You're working. I don't know. Get off my back. I don't know. Why are you know, just... You're, you're flapping and you're flapping and, and you're just, you're working so hard, but you're not moving forward. You're, you understand me? You've been in those relationships, you know, so much work, so much flapping, no, no movement. Or maybe you're making a, a, a bunch of, a bunch of movement trying to get noticed and nobody's noticing you. I don't know what it is, but you're flapping. It's a lot of work. You're flapping, right? And, and don't you wish you could just glide? So what is it that the eagle... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Preach it. I'm tired. Stop 
Where's the wind? Yeah, where is the wind? I mean, that's a great, it's a great question. Moving from flapping to gliding. Okay, here we go. Pull out your notebooks. We're going to learn about gliding. The eagles glide in the wind by navigating the invisible. And love is an invisible reality. Right? It's, not, it's like gravity. It's not that it, we, don't, we see the effects of love, but love itself, you can't, you can't bottle that anywhere. It's, it's invisible. So, see, eagles ride the wind by navigating the invisible. So the question is, how well do you navigate the invisible? And I'll tell you what gliders know. Gliders know the secret. Great gliders know the secret to love. Love is played by faith. It's not a sport. You know, it's not, it's not like concrete. It's not like a basketball or a, a football or a, a, a soccer ball. You, you can't learn the skills that way. There's nothing concrete. It's, it's invisible. And so how, how we can learn from the eagle, how he navigates the invisible. 2 Timothy 3.16 says it this way. It gives us insight of how we too can navigate the invisible. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. You want to find the wind? Listen to the voice of God. See, the spirit of God, the word for spirit is pneuma, it's wind. The wind of God is the spirit of God who breathes into the scriptures. And we actually have a book, a training manual, a way with the words that are breathed in. And the, and the, the breath of God is our wind. And we can, we can ride on the wind by navigating and see that the same way that we are corrected. And it's, you know, and it's not fun. Let's just say, like, reading the scriptures. The reason that we don't read the scriptures is because, frankly, it's dangerous. You cannot read the, you can read the scriptures and not change, but you're not reading the scriptures. You're reading information and data and literature, right? But when you set the scriptures and you say, whatever, I promise to obey if you promise to speak to me, and you open the door, all of a sudden you're catching wind because God begins to speak to you. And, and, and the training, we can clap for that. And the movement begins and you, you flap and you, you angle, and you fold, and you catch wind when the, the Spirit of God speaks you to the Scripture because it tells you what's wrong with you, what you're doing wrong. Don't demand your own way. Don't hold on to your anger. Stop being bitter. Give it a rest. Be patient. You know, whatever he's saying to you. I, when, I, when I started understanding what a spiritual life was, I was reading the Scripture all the time trying to understand because I spent a lot of time reading the Scripture and I couldn't tell anything. You ever been there? It was, just, it was just words and stories, cute stories. But when I gave my heart completely to him and I said, actually, I'm going to do what you say, I felt the wind and the breath and I angled and I folded and I, <sighs> I caught wind and I began to glide and see things differently. And it wasn't pleasant. There are times where he was just telling me I was wrong, but I was just grateful that he was telling me anything. He was speaking to me the first time I experienced what's called conviction. He was saying, this is like way off. You're not even close. 
He would correct and rebuke and train and teach. And, and I began to rise up in my life. How about you? Have you tasted what gliding is? So much better than flapping. And we're supposed to spend most of our lives that way. Gliding in relationships by the wind of God because there is a conversation. Did you know that? Love is speaking. Love sounds like God. Like his voice, there's nothing that God says that does not come from a place of love. Everything he says is actually love. In his essence, he is love. And so it's love that is speaking to you. Love is having a conversation, but are you in the conversation? Are you in the conversation? You know, it's, it's easy to tell, you know, what is God teaching you? It's the question. If, if you don't really know what God's teaching you, and the only thing you can respond is what you are teaching you, you're not in the conversation. There's a conversation, and love is speaking to each of you, and he's speaking to me, and he's, he's having a conversation, but are we listening? This is the wind. So I'm, a, I'm an okay basketball player. It's not funny. They let me play on staff. I get to play with the likes of Pastor Joe Smith, and they're very kind. But if I, if I think about basketball, there's, there's like, you know, four basic skills that you learn. You learn to dribble, you learn to see, you look at your team, you learn to dribble, you see, you shoot, or you pass. Those are four skills. If you get those skills, you can, you can be okay. You, you can be invited, right? That's my only goal at this point. I'm never going to play professionally. I just want to get invited. Those skills, but you know what the skills are for navigating the wind, for gliding, for the invisible quality of love? Find the wind. Seek his breath. Read the scriptures. Trust his voice. Find the wind. Seek his breath. Read the scriptures. Trust his voice. Get great at this invisible skill base. And you will glide in any relationship you have. Now, something you learn about eagles is what happens in a storm. See, eagles love the storm. They get very, very excited. I don't know how they actually measured that. I don't know how they, I don't know. But, but they say, they, they get very, very excited. They can anticipate a storm when it comes. And, and they're excited because the wind velocity is so powerful where other birds hide in trees and caves, the eagle actually moves directly into the storm with intention because it knows that the power of its wind will, will take it high above the storm. An eagle elevates in a storm. You ever had relational storms? You're fighting with people that you love? People are fighting with you? And you're in that storm, right? You want to navigate that relationship. And what's crazy about that moment is it's not, it's not just the, the, the fighting you're having with another person. It's the actual, the, the, the battle within. The storm comes in here before it's ever manifest out there. And you can feel it, can't you? We can anticipate it. Oh, she said that thing again. Said that thing. 
usually starts like right here. I'm getting mad. I'm getting mad. I can anticipate. You know, we were anticipating, but I'm not getting excited. It's not excitement. I'm not an eagle. But the storm is raging, and you're like, I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna get into it. I'm not gonna get into it, and you're into it. You've been there? You had that storm, the storms that you rise up, the battle that you're actually facing with you. This is what the eagle can teach us in those moments where the storm comes that you would, you would crash into that. And you move to the highest level. Now, what, the, what is the highest level of love? What is rising above the storms of relationships? Well, the Greek idea of love has three. Three different versions of love. And most of us know this. Eros, phileo, and agape. Eros, phileo, and agape. And one of the eros would be really, really simply, I love the way you make me feel. Eros. It's erotic love. It's romantic love. It's a feeling love. It's love of the heart. I love the way you make me feel. I want to be in a relationship because I need to feel love. And when you're in that kind of relationship, that is love. When a person says, I don't feel love anymore, they're right. They don't feel, they don't feel eros. I love the way you make me feel. And then you elevate from eros to phileo. Phileo is, I love you if you love me. I love you as long as you love me. And if you stop loving me, well, you know. <laughs> I'm not sure. But as long as you keep your end of the bargain, I keep my end of the bargain, we balance this thing out, we got a relationship, right? That's a real thing. It's called phileo. And when someone says, I just don't, I just don't feel loved anymore. I just don't, I fell out of love with him or with her. I just don't have that. It just means that they dropped the ball. They're not loving you. So how can you love them, the phileo? And they're saying it right. Yes, they, they don't have phileo anymore. There's a higher version, the highest version of love that's agape. It's God's love. It says, I love you no matter what happens. I love you no matter what happens. This is agape. This is for God agape the entire world that he gave his son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's, it's a love that's never ending. It's a love that says, in spite of anything you will do, I will always love you. I love you no matter what happens. This is a love that can set the world aflame. This is the love that God intended to not just give to you, but give through you to the world. This is the love that we have the capacity to give. This is our calling. How else do you think we're going to change the world? It's not going to be because there's a sunset. God didn't come to show his beauty just through nature. He came to show it through your nature. He came to, to develop and create beauty in the world through the way you love when you're loved by God through a human being, there's nothing else like it. And then when the storm comes and you walk with agape, it's you've, you're gliding now. You're gliding, you have the mind of God and you're in a relationship and there's, there's conflict and there's storm, but you've already got it settled here. See, you already know. I am going to exercise healing. I'm going to exercise forgiveness and grace and kindness and gentleness. I am going to love no matter what happens. I love you. No matter what happens. You know, when I was a, I was a grade school teacher for a while and I tried this thing. It didn't go well. But I, I was working with like second graders and 
I would try all kinds of things, because I was more of an entertainer than a, a substitute teacher, but all great substitutes are entertainers, let's be honest. So I was there, and I was trying things with these second graders, and they would do whatever I told them. So I was like, hey, here's my rules on fighting. If somebody fights with you, just, you know, and, and they really get into it, you just grab them by the shoulders and just say, I love you! Freak them out. Yeah? So they were doing it! Throughout the class, I love you, I love you, and the cracking up, and like lesson fights, right? You can overwhelm, I don't know why I said that. You can overwhelm people. You can live in a love that changes everything when you move to the highest level. So don't fear the storm, engage the storm. With the mind of God, you will elevate over the storm and where you may have like demand, you want to demand something of yourself, or you, want to, you want to be angry or bitter, you're going to bring healing and forgiveness and, and grace. God speaks the loudest in your storms. You hear him, right? You hear him speaking to you. Humble yourself. Don't say that. Hold your tongue. Be patient. Just, just wait. What? Just wait. You in the conversation? Let the Spirit of God lift you to new heights. <laughs> but how? How do you live and I love you no matter what happens? How do we practically see this as a reality? And maybe, maybe the snake can teach us something about this. The second one is how a snake. It says, I'm sorry, from the top, there are three things that amaze me. No, four things that I do not understand. How an eagle glides through the sky. How a snake slithers on a rock. And so, the writer of Proverbs sees the eagle. It's high in the sky and it glides with such beauty, but then, then he watches a snake move along the ground with such grace and fluidity, but he's, he's not high, he's low. So perhaps... That's the insight that we should be grounded in humility. We should be grounded in humility that when you see a snake living low, we're supposed to, to live low. But that's not really, that's not really that attractive, right? Living low, I mean, that means like you're, you're a doormat. You're taking advantage of, you're groveling on the ground saying, I am not good enough. I know, you're better than me. I'm humble. That's a complete... Misinterpretation of what humility is. I heard this once. I use it all the time. You know, to be humble is not to think less of yourself, but to think of yourself less. Humility, it was something that Jesus modeled, that he put together in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. He made himself nothing. I don't know, that's not a great pickup line. Hey, you know. If we date, I'm going to make myself nothing <laughs> for you. You know? Like, it just sounds like he has no ambition. Would you date that guy? I'm going to make myself nothing. I mean, I'm just going to sit there and do nothing. You know? Like, that's not, 
That's not exactly what Jesus did. He kind of did a lot of things when he was here. But he made himself nothing. He wasn't saying that he was nothing. He was everything and made himself nothing. He understood what he was. He did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He had power to wipe out the world in one swat, but he made himself nothing. That's just so unpopular of a phrase. Great relationships make yourself nothing. You know? Zero is an interesting number, isn't it? Zero. The number zero. It seems like it, it doesn't have any power, but if you think about zero, zero, it's the opposite of nothing. In its mathematical power, see, zero multiplied by anything is zero. Anything to the power of zero is zero. I'll try it again. Anything to the power of zero is? It's not. Zero. See, zero has a power. And what did Jesus do? Jesus zeroed out. He zeroed out to make himself the most powerful person in the room. And that's what happens to us. You want to know how to be powerful in your life? Zero out. That means you don't care about what anybody thinks. You are just there as a servant of all. You want to go into that with an you want to go into an audition like that that gives you power. You want to go into a job interview, you want to take a challenge on, zero out. You're not doing this for you because it's not about you. You're doing this for the world, and it gives you the power to serve all those around you with your talent, your ability, your gifting, and who you are. Zero out. That's what Jesus did. He gave us a secret. Be grounded in humility towards one another. Humility is simply understanding that it's not about you. But it's confusing, right? It can be confusing because we confuse humility with what's called false humility. False humility has its roots in fear. It says, I, I, but what if I'm not enough? If I'm not worth loving? And it's a constant conversation that you have and you, you lower yourself and you're constantly Worried, it's false humility. Well, I, I really am not good enough to do that, so I, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to step up. I'm not going to come to the table because I'm not there yet. I need, to, I need to explain more penance. I'm not doing a great job, so I'm going I'm to abdicate my power. This is false humility. It's actually pride, right? Two faces of pride. One is thinking too highly of yourself. The other face is too, too lowly of yourself. Self-hatred, it's, it's still pride. Why? Because the conversation is still about you. Humility is understanding that it's not about you. That God in his wisdom and his power speaks to you and he tells you who you are. And you simply say, thank you. Thank you. I get to be here and be part of this. And humility gives you the power to zero out. It's not filled with fear or driven by fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says it this way. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. He did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. See, God did not give us fear, but he actually gave us the power to love over and over and over. This creates self-discipline, self-control, self-mastery. The power to love over and over and over, to make this a habit, to respond in love. This can actually 
exercise self-control. But we don't, we don't have self-control in our relationships, right? The tongue is like a wild fire. You ever had a moment where you're like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bring up the fact that he's late. I'm not gonna say anything. I'm just gonna say this. Oh, hey, honey, so good to see you. Why are you late? You, you had that, like, it, just, it just has a mind of its own and you start into an argument again, right? You, you, don't, you, you have a hard time controlling yourself. And this is the, the picture of what God wants to give us. The opposite of this discipline is fear. It tells us, he did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. The opposite of self-control is fear. We're afraid. We, we lack the courage to live, so we complain about the life we're given. We lack the power to talk face-to-face with those who hurt us, so, so we talk to others about them because we don't want to be rejected We lack the power to commit, so we get them to commit their bodies because we can't commit our lives. We cross sexual lines and cross boundaries that we've created because we just, we want to make sure that they love us without any commitment. We're terrified that we're going to be rejected if they see who we really are. But what we long for is intimacy, not an intimate feeling, an intimate life with another to have a relationship, to live in this self-control gives us the ability to experience honor. Self-control is honoring yourself and others in spite of appetites and desires. To honor yourself and others, no matter what you're feeling. See, he gave us the power to love with our bodies, to build, building honor through self-mastery, through self-control. And if you lack it, if you've created boundaries in your relationship physically and you, you cross those, that, and you're, you're trying to figure out how do you have that, well, or who you're looking for in your life. It's so interesting, you know, we... We build our relationships on the physical first, right? Let's just, let's just admit it. We build it on the physical, right? I mean, if, if she's hot, it doesn't matter. Even if she speaks English, we'll teach her. <laughs> right? If he's a babe, I mean, we'll just, we'll work it out. Whatever it is, we'll, we'll, we'll train him up, you know? I mean, he's hot. What are you going to do? We, we build relationships first on the physical. So it's body, then it's heart then maybe mind, and then maybe spirit at the end, right? Maybe. But God designed it the very opposite, see, in the spiritual way. This is agape. He designed us to start in a spiritual relationship, which means I love you no matter what happens. Start there. Start with agape the moment you start in relationship. I love you no matter what happens. I get my love from God, and God shows me the way. And then the mind begin to hear her dreams and his aspirations and you have great conversation. And then the heart follows. And then once you're attached in the midst of 
commitment in front of all your friends and family, in front of everyone. A wedding takes place and there's, there's a body connection, physical connection. You want to have true love, start from the top down. Build your relationship on agape. Really see this person, hear this person, understand their fears and their wants and their, their struggles and build intellectually and then have the adventure of love that you were born to have. And then when everything's committed, commit your body. And just enjoy what it is to experience intimacy. If you, if you lack self-control, the good news is God gave you a spirit of self-control. He gave it to you. So gain the gift. Just take it. It's actually yours. You ever done that thing where you're like, God... I'm not sure if this is any good, but if I'm doing the wrong thing, just stop me. And you walk right into it. You know what God says? Stop yourself. I gave you self-control. I'm not going to stop you. I gave you the spirit to stop you. Self-control. You stop you, right? Because I didn't give you the spirit of fear. You don't have to live in that anymore. You're free to love. To do what honors her. To do what honors him. To honor yourself. You're, You're free to experience my love have self-control and you know when looking for a partner or when in a relationship you know when a partner has no self-control when they are with you they will have no self-control when they are not it's just a tip it's a good thing to keep in your mind exercise self-control so if you struggle with it then gain the gift bring God into your relationship talk together and pray together and build what is it that God has for us to get all of it to get everything we're supposed to from love let's do that together and we'll glide in humility we'll move together we'll live in I love you no matter what happens You want to build true love, love that lasts. You have to trust his voice by navigating the wind and glide like an eagle. You have to humble yourself and honor the other person. And finally it says, there are three things that amaze me. No, four things I I don't understand. How an eagle glides through the sky, how a snake slithers on a rock, how a ship navigates the ocean. How a man loves a woman. You know, something about a ship, a ship, a captain cannot navigate the ocean alone. A great captain leads his crew from one destination to another. He's, he's leading them forward. He's building, he's serving others and creating influence. When you're looking for someone, find someone who's going somewhere. He looks at the ship and all of the ocean. He wonders, like, how is this happening? They're they're taking on the entire ocean. Somehow they're moving forward. When you find someone, find someone who actually has drive. Someone who has a desire to change the world. And ask yourself, are they changing the world or are you their world? It's, It's poetic. 
at first, but then it's a huge tragedy. If they have no destination in mind, they're wandering in a torrent, in a tormented ocean, and, and you're going to drown. <laughs> Jump ship now. Find someone who's moving through the ocean and who's influencing others for good. How a ship navigates the ocean, I think, is about influence. I think that as you look for people, you have to see if they're actually creating beauty in the world. So the question is, who are you leading and how are they changing? Do the people around you make better decisions because they're around you? Or are you making no impact? You want to build true love? Start influencing others for good. And build your life on that influence. You know, I told my daughter, I have a daughter named Matisse. She's 13 years old and I'm scared to death. I told her ever since she was a little girl this one thing about boys. I said, Matisse, I don't want you to marry a Christian. I don't want you ever to marry a Christian. I want you to marry someone who's in love with Jesus and serves the world. Because there's, those are two things you can't fake. And she says, Dad, it's not up to you. You have no idea. <laughs> She's 13. Those are the things that you want. You want to build true love. Honestly, I, I was single for a while, and I enjoyed being single. But truth be told, there was part of me that was really broken. And when I was small, I used to fix things. I used to take things from the garage or clocks or things. When I would take it apart and I would put it back together and I would, I would actually get things to work. And every once in a while, I would put something together that wouldn't work. It, it, was, it was so broken that I couldn't work and I would try and try and try. And finally, just in frustration, I would, I would just toss it in the trash. It's like, this is just unfixable. And... In my single life, I have to be completely honest with you, I felt like that part of my life, whatever that was that loved a woman, it was broken. And I tinkered and I tried to put it together. I tried to make relationships work and they really didn't work and I didn't understand the mischief. Why, why did my heart turn to stone after a while? Why, why was I such a coward? Why was I so afraid of committing? Why was I so indecisive? How could I ever make this work and really love a girl more than I loved me? Because I loved me. <laughs> could I make that work? Could it, could it ever work? I, I considered that I was never going to find love really. And in my brokenness, I remember... I remember having a conversation with God. I was on a, a rooftop and looking over the city. It's always very dramatic. <laughs> looking over the city and I was praying, God, am I ever going to find true love? Is it ever going to work for me? And I heard this, this thought at least came crashing into my mind. Who's irritating you the most right now? I love when he changes the subject, don't you? 
They go, what did that have to do with, with anything? And I'm like, well, it's, it's, it's my roommate. My roommate was a classical guitarist that always walked around the room and would tell me every day that I can remember all the things I was doing wrong. I was leaving towels on the floor. I didn't shop enough or, you know, I, I didn't clean the counter or whatever it was. And he would just smile always playing. <laughs> he left the towel on the floor again. He was Satan. I mean, his one goal was to correct me, I guess. And you know what was really irritating, what really got me, is he was absolutely right. I did leave the towel on the floor. I didn't go grocery shopping. You know, I did all those things. And I was was having this conversation with God, like, yeah, it's it's him. But I guarantee you, God, I'm not going to marry my roommate. So why are we talking about this? And he's like, serve your roommate. Exercise love. Exercise it. The heart is not like the lungs. There's no pair. There's only one. The same heart that you love a woman with is the same heart that you love humanity with. The same heart that you love a man with. They're they're so connected to the way that you treat others. He was saying, love those that you don't like and you will stretch your heart and begin to understand love when it matters. True love. That's what he came to bring us. You want to have eros? I love the way they make me feel. Have eros. You want to have phileo? I love you if you love me. Enjoy phileo. But you want to taste heaven. You want to experience eternity. You want to change the world, jump into agape. Go to the highest place and let him fill your wings with his wind and ground yourself in humility and navigate the service of others, the love of humanity, and God will take you to places that you would not believe and you won't miss your true love. You may be here and you know that your relationship's a mess. You've been trying to figure it out and it it isn't working. You need to give those relationships to God. You You may believe that tonight, but there may be some people here who who have never given their lives to Jesus. And you cannot give those relationships to God if you do not give your relationship to God. And that's what we're here for tonight. Will you pray with me? If something tonight that you've heard and that's moved you has stirred you to give your life to God, to understand that Jesus, 2,000 years ago, entered human history and gave all of his life because of his love, his agape for you. No matter what happens, he, he dedicated all of it. He was crucified on a cross, died, and three days later rose from the dead, and he is the spirit of God. He He's the greatest lover. He's the beautiful one who comes to show you the way to live in love. If you would say tonight that you're ready to take your hands off your life and off your entire life to Jesus, to trade your life for his, it starts with a simple prayer. You just say, Jesus, I give you my life. 
Is anyone here who's ready to take that step? It's not everything that you and God need to talk about, but it's the beginning. Jesus, I give you my life. Anyone else? Jesus, I give you my life. Begins the simple prayer that will change everything for you. Jesus, I give you my life. If you prayed that prayer right now, I want you to raise your hand so I can identify you and pray for you. We can help you in a relationship with God. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Anyone else says, yes, I prayed that prayer just now. I'd like to give my entire life to him and change from this moment forward. Beautiful. I'm going to pray for you. Jesus, I pray for those who've taken their hands off their life to give their lives to you, Lord, to step into this relationship to make everything new and different, Lord. I pray that you would give them your love, your life, that they'd experience something they'd never have before and they would navigate the wind and they would live in a beautiful life with you. We bless you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you've just received, allow it to go deeply into your soul, to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. And I also want to encourage you to be a part of what we're doing here at Mosaic, to go to the Mosaic app and to become a part of the Mosaic Foundation, to become a regular giver and investor in bringing this message across the world. I want to thank you so much for being here with us. God bless you.